Good morning. Today is Chaf Vav Shvat, right? 26th of Shvat. Um, we're in the middle of chapter 25. I'm going to backtrack a little bit from Friday's Tanya, because Allah, I've been a little bit less consistent than I have been usually in recording Tanya. Um, which is also, it turns out, part of the unity of Hashem. <laughs> Fun fact. Um, okay, so basically, we're, chapter 25 is a big deal because we are in the climax. We're in the last, the, like, we're at the final stage of the Altar Rebbe's teaching, of the Altar Rebbe teaching us about what it actually means. That it's actually close to us to be able to choose to do a mitzvah, to not do an avera, to choose to be able to be essentially to be a Bainani, which is to be in that throne of our soul, to be able to be people who are not, as we're going to talk about today, who are not just bowing down to things that are outside of the unity. A Bainani essentially is somebody who's constantly in a state of being in which I am transparent to the unity, I'm one with the unity of Hashem, instead of standing outside of it, or instead of thinking that I'm standing outside of it. And what the author is basically teaching us in these chapters is that um, my voice sounds so different today. I don't know why. I think it's because I didn't sleep. I like hearing my own voice. Self-consciousness. Anyways. Sorry. <laughs> um, the basically in these chapters is teaching us how it's actually possible that we could not only like know that we have this place somewhere inside of us that sees this perspective, but that it's actually a plausible and possible and real reality to live with this soul, with this consciousness of this soul, every moment of every, of every day. And basically in chapter, 20, in chapter 24, the author addresses that exact question of how, okay, so yeah, it's true. It might be true that everything is one with Hashem and that the DNA of that oneness with Hashem is actually Hashem's desire to be one with me. And so the, the inner workings of every single moment is only this Akhtas Hashem. Okay, so that might be true, but what does it have to do with me on a daily, in, in, in a moment-by-moment basis? And what the author was explaining is that when you tap into this place of really realizing that everything is one with Hashem, what you essentially become is, I, I keep thinking, just kept thinking of this example of like, you become like somebody who's holding your lover's hand. Like it's literally like Hashem is, and it's much deeper than that because it's not only that Hashem is holding my hand, it's that Hashem is within me, around me, within this, around this, like Hashem is everything. But it's like, if you want to use that example for a second, like I'm holding my lover's hand, how could I go have an affair? Like I can't have an affair if I know that my lover is standing right here. And it's not only like my lover standing here watching me, it's my lover standing here. We're talking about the DNA of reality, Hashem's love for us, Hashem's our love for Hashem. It's our relationship. And we're realizing that our relationship, the relationship between Ayyid and Hashem is the DNA of every single moment is the underlying, not only the underlying stuff, it is the stuff that is creating each moment. How could I ever use this moment for something other than that unity? How can I, how can I like sanction off, hi, how can I sanction off a moment from that unity when that unity is all that exists? And the Alter, in, chapter, in chapter 24, the Alter talked about animals and basically explaining that even Klippa, because it's this, it's, in chapter 24, it's the classic example of like, when you do an Avera, you're actually worse than a gnat. 
a gnat is like a kind of mosquito that only intakes and never gives back. What's going on there? What's Alter explaining? And Alter is explaining that a gnat is the slowest state of klipa, kind of like it's the lowest of the animals. What are animals? Animals also they they don't. Well, it's different actually. Let's let's talk about animals. I'm gonna go to the gnat for a second. An animal, Alter explains, is klipa, and yet it's serving Hashem. It's doing its mission by being what it is. Even Chalas Klipsa Timaeus, they're doing what Hashem is wanting them to do. They're living within the unity through looking like they're not in the unity. A gnat, right? It's the lowest form of Klipa in the sense of that it only intakes and doesn't give back. What's going on there? What does it mean, Klipa? It's not seeing itself. It was really special, actually, when I was thinking about this. Like, when you don't see yourself in the context of the greater unity, in the context of Hashem's oneness, I don't, it's, it's like sociopath. The farthest extreme of that is a sociopath. You don't get affected by my actions. I could kill people and not, it doesn't even matter because I don't have an effect on that which is outside of me because I'm so isolated inside of myself. That's like the farthest extreme of klipa. It's the most extreme version of I'm not one with the unity of Hashem. I'm not one with the bigger picture of life. The gnat, this kind of mosquito, demonstrates that by not giving out. He doesn't associate himself with part of the bigger ecological system of Hashem's oneness. And the Altarba says, you, when you do an avera, meaning when you're going towards that thing that, when, you, when you're looking for your sense of self and something that's outside of the unity of Hashem, when you're kind of disassociating yourself from the oneness, you're worse than that gnat. Why? Because the gnat's doing its job. You... Your job is to see past the klipa. A yid's job is to be people who are seeing past the veil and living in that state of oneness. And if we're not doing that, then the gnat is doing its mission and we're not. It's, it's kind of simple. And just I'll finish off chapter 24 with the story that I've been wanting to say for the past like seven chapters, but I've been saving it. <laughs> that there's this like mushal said about um, like... A, a, a kingdom that there's a king that runs a kingdom and then suddenly a few guys stand up and start doing a rebellion and basically they start not only rebelling against the king but they're trying to actually get everybody else to rebel against the king too and at first it starts causing this like civil war and this like major upheaval because like the people don't want to rebel against the king they're saying no you should and then it's like it's a havoc until what happens some people are fighting with him. Some people are trying to kill him. Some people are joining him. Everybody's like doing their own thing with this rebellious guy until there's this one wise person in the kingdom that realizes that this guy who's trying to rebel against the king was actually sent from the king and doesn't actually want the rebellion, but is simply trying to bring everybody to a closer, deeper commitment to the king. And the moment that that wise man speaks and kind of explains to everybody like this is actually what's going on this thing is this guy isn't actually wanting us to go against the king he's wanting us to come closer to the king suddenly the whole rebellion stops and there's peace reigning in the kingdom and i just wanted to just notice as we're going to go forward that when we're talking about like going against the king for the king like the moment that i realized this and i only i didn't even realize this last year i really realized it for the first time this year like what are we what is avodazara like bowing down to avodazara I said this a little bit before, but it's like we're, serving the king is being who we are. Like it's being who we actually are. <laughs> serving the king, it's not serving ourselves because that's that language is too funny. But like 
in a way it is. It's serving our true authentic self. It's serving us as we are positioned in the throne of our soul and in the throne of our true authentic nature. That's serving the king. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's, that's chapter 24. Oh, also chapter 24 is really a fascinating part. Just go there quickly. That altar at the end of chapter 24 basically explains like, you can't get out of this. <laughs> like, because you could, it's, it's a very sweet question. So the altar was basically saying like, okay, he, first he's telling us that serving this klipa, that engaging with the klipa is literally the opposite of our purpose of life. But then it's like, hey, well, what if I don't want that to be my purpose of life? Like, what if I want something else for myself? Like, what if I just want to stay in the, in the, like, um, what's, what am I, like, in, in the stuff that give me immediate self-gratification, you know what I mean? Instead of, but I, I don't like that terminology because this stuff can give you immediate, the whole self-gratification thing is silly. It's really about if I'm looking, if I'm looking to that thing for my sense of self, for my aliveness, for my worth, for my connectivity to the world, connectivity to life, or am I looking to that thing because I am so essentially connected, I'm so essentially one with the unity of Hashem, I'm essentially worthy, and thus I desire that. So gratification is a silly word for the distinction between those two things. I don't know if anybody followed what I just said. That was yeah. Okay. But basically the author says, like, you may think that you don't want to do this, but at the end of the day, when you go towards Klippa, Hashem is going towards Klippa with you. Hi. Hashem is going towards Klippa with you. Like, you can't escape this. You can't escape your... Why can't you escape this? Because we're not carrying something with us. This is who we are. And so when I'm engaged with the outskirts of reality, with the Klippa, with, with a kind of state of consciousness of otherness, and that this moment is not essentially one with Hashem, I'm not... That moment is not just an isolated moment in time. Do you, get, do you get it? Like, even though I think that's an isolated moment in time, it's not actually. There is no such thing as an isolated moment in time. And as a Yid, I'm carrying the Shekhinah with me. I'm carrying Hashem with me. I'm carrying this oneness with me. And it's like, wherever I go, there Hashem is. Like, wherever I go, I'm bringing that oneness with me. It's like, we can't, we can't escape it from it. And that's why the altar says it's like taking like Hashem's head and putting it into like a garbage heap. Because you're not, it's not like just my animal soul can go to the, gar- it's like, my animal soul becomes me. My godly soul becomes me. This is all... There's too much to talk about here, but... Basically, I think the reason why it's so important to know is because it's like you can't escape it in a way of like, oh, you can't escape it, but also like, you can't escape it. Like, you can't escape this. Like, you can't escape the fact that you have oneness of Hashem inside of you and inside of your life at any given moment that that cannot be escaping from and like you can give me all the excuses in the world of why this moment is not part of that one unity this moment really is the problem this Avera really has to be done I re- I was thinking like with Averas like sorry it's been four days of Tanya so there's been a lot of thoughts <laughs> but with Averas like I'm I don't know I, never heard it somebody who teaches Tanya say this but like I'm on like team of Avera in the sense of like I'm not the one judging somebody for doing Avera like I do plenty of Averas and like I'm not I don't get the whole I can always do a mitzvah it's like I don't my brain it's it's hard for me sometimes but I was thinking about it just in, in terms of this I was thinking like we're talking about right now how every Avera 
is me identifying with this moment is not one with Hashem instead of this moment is one with Hashem. That's what an Avera is. It's me forgetting the fact that who I am in this moment and what this physical moment is in this moment is complete alignment with the unity of God, a.k.a. complete worthiness, complete connection, complete everything you could possibly want and dream of, like literally, complete love. And I was just thinking for myself, like, in my journey of, like, not always wanting to do mitzvahs, I've, come, I've kind of come to realize with a lot of the times that I want to do an Avera that there's actually often an underlying feeling of gaining something through that Avera. Like, I'm still not fully tzniyas, and it's going to be a journey for the rest of my life, but there was a point where I, it came through therapy. Like, my mashpia was always telling me, like, Hana, you have to go to therapy for your tzniyas. I'm like, I'm not going to therapy for my tzniyas. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. But eventually it did, I did, and not, I didn't go with therapy before my teens, I just talked to my, it came up with my therapist, and I realized the underlying emotional experience that is happening underneath wanting to wear the clothing that I wear. And it's like, that Avera, so to speak, of not, oh, she's here? Three. Okay, so just keep going. <laughs> okay. Everybody be super friendly. <laughs> um, just basically, there's no way that works. Approve. Oh, that's all she needs to do? Just, yes, please. Okay. I'm Thank you for coming. Thank you for visiting. Like, my kids won't hate me because I'm like, ah! 
you know, and that's coming from learning, so I wow. thank you. Wow. Oh, that's beautiful. It's literally like you stepping into your throne instead of bowing down to the thing that's in front of you. Like when we say like bowing down to an idol, we're literally saying that there's this thing in front of me that I'm giving power to. I'm giving power to the stress of needing to make my kid's birthday party. When I step into my throne, I get to make my kid's birthday party. There's nothing. You're not fighting. It's so so powerful. Um... Okay. Um, Jocelyn. Jocelyn? Mm-hmm. So what this, it's a book of Jewish philosophy, and what we learn about every day is like, that we have inside of us, basically, um, two souls. One soul that's kind of more like instinctive, trying to like, basically doesn't really have, doesn't believe that God is here, and so constantly needs to like fight and figure it out and control everything and move and... <clears throat> And then we also have inside of ourselves a godly soul, which is really a space that sees ourselves and sees reality from a place of abundance and from a place of like, God is here right now. And what's like fear? Like this moment is one with the unity of life. This moment is one with all of creation. Like I don't have to control anything anymore. I don't have to fear anything anymore. I can, I can move and I can function and I can change things and move, around, move things. But from a place of like, abundance and and like queenship almost instead of scarcity and like fear and you know control so that's where we're kind of engaged with learning how to be in the seat of our godly soul instead of in the seat of that other soul that's kind of more what's what's what would be a good word protecting yeah protective exactly protective from a place of not seeing what this moment is what this moment actually is Okay. Um, okay, so basically the, the beginning part of chapter 25 was we're literally saying that... I just want to read this one part in Hebrew because it's just gorgeous. And remember, this is the climax before we're getting to chapter 26 when the altar is going to start saying, now what do we do about our sadness? What do we do about our apathy? What do we do about our anger? We're learning how to engage with those experiences from our godly soul instead of from our animal soul because when you have animal soul fighting up against animal soul, you end up nowhere. It's child trying to fix child. There's there's nothing going to happen. We're learning that we have this godly soul inside of us, this place to to speak from inside of us that that this is the last chapter that we're... So the author is summing it all up. Okay. This then is the meaning of that this thing is very close to you. For at any time, at any moment, a person has the actual ability to remove the forgetfulness and the spirit of folly from their mind. And notice that the Alter Rebbe already taught us that we can use this word forgetfulness because the Alter Rebbe already taught us this is what's true. What's true is that you are a divine, aligned breath of God breathing in this world. That's what's already true. If you're forgetting that, then you have the power to come back into that state of consciousness. But if you're not in that state of consciousness, it's not like suddenly that's not true anymore. It's that you've forgotten that it's true. So at any single moment, you have the, op- the ability to actually remove that forgetfulness and to remember and to remember and to awaken his love for God, for the one God, for the oneness of 
Hashem, Hamasuteris Bivadai Vilvavai Vilishim Safik. That is for sure inherent and um, that is for sure present within that person's heart without a shadow of a doubt constantly. So just noticing that like, yeah, I think that, oh, I'm so disconnected right now. I, this moment is so disconnected. This moment is, I'm so sure that this moment is not one with the unity. That's not the reality. That's the forgetfulness of me that I'm having in this moment of what this moment actually is. But Alter was teaching us that at any moment we have the opportunity to really step into that power of, of our godly soul. Um, okay. Back to today's Tanya. So Dr. Bitt was note is has been noticing that the that for Okay, so sorry. What if somebody comes to a point where they're like, okay, I could engage with this Avera, I can engage with this, you know, Klipa thing, with this thing that is not one with the unity of God, but is serving some function for me. Meaning like, I'm, even if it's, it could be something that is, again, it, it's Avera, but it's also, Avera in this context is anything that's Avedazara. It's anything that is, I'm looking to this to give me something because God is not giving me what I need. Like I have, like I was saying with the Tzniyaz thing, like I realized that underneath a lot of it was me feeling like the clothing that I wear are giving me my sense of self-worth. And it doesn't mean that once I stop looking to clothing my sense of self-worth, I still won't want to be Tzniyaz. Like, I don't know how that part co- comes into the picture, but like, yeah. And like, I was thinking like on Shabbos, like, like what happens on Shabbos when somebody ends up wanting to do an, to, to use their phone or something like that? Like, there's a certain kind of like, inner life that we have to have for the 25 hours of receiving no dopamine from electronic devices or anything like that that's like can I receive my vitality from within me instead of from outside of me so it's, a, it's a bigger trip but like whatever but just noticing that that's, that is Avera Avera is that state of disconnection where I'm not looking I'm looking for what I'm looking for from a place outside of my inherent divine alignment Okay. So just quickly outside, I'm just going to explain this really quickly, that the author says, well, what if somebody comes over to me and says, well, I, for right now, I'm going to go outside of the divine alignment. I'm going to look for my self-worth from that thing outside of me, and then later I'll come back. And author says, it's true that you can always come back. It's true that teshuva is always available. You can always return back to your divine alignment. As we know, we literally just explained that the divine alignment is us. Like, of course you can always come back to it. And yet, we won't do that. When, it, when push comes to shove, we've seen time and time again in Jewish history that people will sacrifice their life, so to speak, instead of going against the divine unity. What's going on? We have already explained that. When somebody's in that state, naturally what happens is my body, when I'm actually faced with the clear vision of divine unity, my body is also a function of the divine unity. I don't need to stay alive. I don't, my survival instinct gets put underneath the divine soul that is radiating in this moment. But it's more like, we, you know, the difference between Avram and Rabbi Akiva. Like, Rabbi Akiva was like, oh, I want to die for God. We don't want to die for God. There's no one, the, people don't want to die for God. That's not Judaism at all. 
Judaism wants to live for God. And yet, in that state of living for God, the life is so vibrant that I'm not even afraid of death. It's because the death, like the life and death are both underneath the bigness of, of oneness of God. Can I ask a question on this? Yeah. Okay. But saying that you're ready to die al Hashem and then you'll, you will perform and want to perform an idolatrous act, blah, 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 even temporarily. Yeah. Okay, but how does that? But we how do. How does that? Yeah. How does yeah. that work out with real life when people actually do? That's we a really like, good question. We do disconnect. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. So what is all? So uh, saying? what Alter is teaching us is saying that the fact that what? Okay, right, whatever. but the Alter is teaching us that the fact that you wouldn't, if push came to shove, means that even right now you have it in you. People do. Mo- right. It's, I know. This was the There's question we had last year brothers. too. Yeah. I know. Okay. I know. <laughs> time to figure it out. It's a really good question. But uh, honestly, I have the same question. Okay. And yet, along with that question, I, have also, I also see that we actually do have the soul. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, I can't even tell you, like, the amount of times that I've been in, like, a state of consciousness where I was like, this, I'm, this is actually something that I'm never going to get out of. Like, this is actually something that literally has to be passed over that I have to get out of this, this situation in my life in order to feel love inside of my heart. Like, I will not be able to be okay while this is happening. And like, sure of it. Like, so sure. Like, not like kind of sure, like so sure. And yet, even then, I, I found that, that soul inside of me. Like, there's, it's never, so it's like, yeah, I don't get exactly things. And we'll, we'll, we can talk, we'll talk more about it, but. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So this person is literally going to say, I, I refuse to bow down to other gods. I refuse to leave the throne of my soul and bow down to this thing that's so tempting to me. That anxiety is so tempting. The, the fear is so tempting. The need to control is so tempting. The other god, the thing that is seemingly going to give me my power, give me my sense of self-worth, give me my sense of authenticity, give me whatever it is that I'm actually looking for. <coughs> it's so tempting and yet still we're able to say no. <clears throat> even for a mo- even we're able to say no, and this was this is today's crux of Tanya. We're even able to say no when we have the voice that says, "Just go for ten minutes and then come back. Just for ten minutes, just let the anxiety control you for ten minutes." Again, we're not saying never feel the anxiety. Once we find this place that can say, "I am not controlled by the anxiety," we can come back and say, "Okay, hi anxiety. What do you actually want to show me? What do you actually want to tell me? What do you actually want? What are you here for? What are you here to give me?" Because the animal soul is always here to actually give to the godly soul. But we can't come back to it until we have that moment of differentiation of, I will never bow to you. I'm in my throne. My, the mother never becomes the child. The mother is the mother and the child is the child. And thus the mother can nurture the child. The, we are in the throne of our godly soul. And thus, I don't bow down. I, I don't. <laughs> I refuse to bow down to you. I... I'm divine alignment. I am a, I'm a goddess. Like, I'm a queen. I'm not going to just bow down to that thing that's coming up inside of me. I will hold it. I will nurture it. But I am the queen, and you are coming to me. What is, how come we have this ability to have this sense of this soul radiation, even to that voice that says, oh, but just go there for 10 minutes, and then, and then just associate with that thing for 10 minutes? Because this radiation of divinity inside of our hearts 
is not bound by time. It doesn't only exist now. That what we were talking about is this, this state of oneness with God that includes the past, the present, and the future. From this state, you don't say, you know, this would be true if only I hadn't done that mistake back then. Then this would be true. Or, you know, this is all true, but if in a year I still don't have that thing that I think, for right now it's true that if I don't have that thing that the thing that I think is going to give me self-worth, I'm fine. Okay, fine. But in a year, if I don't have it by in a year, oh, that's really not going to be okay. This, the state of the soul functions beyond time. Why? Because we're talking about the unity of God. We're talking about the oneness of reality that is the oneness of God that exists past, present, future. It's hove haya, like shem havai. That's what we're talking about. This, thing, this, this state of being is completely beyond time and thus it has the ability to have that sovereignty over the animal soul even when the animal soul says oh just for 10 minutes just for right now because there's no I, I, you can't escape like this, this state of this godly soul says I will never find an exception to this rule not in the past not in the future not in the present there's never going to be an exception to this rule so um, to noticing that we ha- actually, we, it's, we have all we could talk about this. Thank God. We're not starting chapter 26 till next week. But, and so Dalton is going to continue, like, bringing it down, 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 down. Like, and I bless us all, literally, I bless us all, that for the next week, I'll continue to talk about this. We don't leave it esoteric. Like, one, for one moment today, when you notice, like, animal soul consciousness rising up inside of your body, animal soul rises from heart to mind. Hi. Notice, hi, literally looked at, hi, I am the queen here. <coughs> and just, I bless us all to feel our crowns because they're always on us. <laughs> all right, l'chaim guys, thank you.